hello, hello, and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. This week, I'm super excited because I have my coworker, Paulina, joining us. We are going to be talking all about peers. Paulina took training in peers last year, and she's super interested in it, and she's had a lot of experience with it since then. So we wanted to kind of have a little conversation about that and, yeah, answer some questions that you might have about peers. So before we dive in, I'll just have Paulina introduce herself so you guys can get to know her a little bit better. Thanks, Diamond. I'm super excited. I love talking about peers. So I'm Paulina. Before I get into my intro, I just want to say I love working with Shannon. We're so blessed to have you on the team. Um, I just am so grateful that to have a coworker that, you know, especially as I'm, I'm heading on mat leave soon, to have a coworker that I can just like send clients to and feel good about and not worry about like, oh, are they going to be taken care of? And it's been really great. So, so happy you're at Speech Meta with us. Aww, thank you. <laughs> so yes, I'm Paulina and I went to school at UBC here in Vancouver. Um, I've lived here for about 10 years. And I've been at Speech Meta since 2015 is when I met the clinic owner. And um, I started out as an SLP assistant and then did that through grad school and then started working as an SLP thereafter. So it's been a really big blessing in my life to be at Speech Meta. And it's been really fun to watch it grow. When I started there, I believe the team was three or four SLPs and now we're like 14. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a really wonderful team to be a part of. And I'm so excited to talk about peers. It's just something I could talk about forever. So thanks, Shannon. Yeah. Also, just fun fact for anyone listening. I've thought of this because you said you were an SLPA. I was an SLPA before I became registered and Paulina was the SLP. So I had like worked with her and it was just a really nice transition time for when I first started working. Because I had bounced so many questions off her. I literally was asking you questions constantly about like, so that was really nice to have that transition. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So first, some people might be like, what is peers? Because I think Mm -hmm. like something like social thinking, we're all very familiar with and it's Mm -hmm. marketed so much that we're all seeing it so much, but people might be wondering like, what is peers? So Mm -hmm. can we first just kind of talk about what it is? And Mm -hmm. then you can kind of talk about like how you became involved in it and yeah, we can start there. Yeah. Totally. That sounds good. So PEERS, it's an acronym. So it stands for the Program for the Education and Enrichment of Relational Skills. So it's uh, all about relational skills like social communication and and friendships. So I'll start with how I got involved in PEERS. Actually, I learned about it in grad school in one of our classes. I'm guessing you had the same class um, with Dr. Ballam Chase with Kate. Um, Basically, it's about interventions for autistic children or children with autism. So we did part A was like we were in groups. We had to learn about an intervention and, you know, present on it. And I was not in the group that taught about peers, but I remember in their presentation, I was just listening and I was like, what is this program? It sounds amazing. Um, And then part B of the project was we had to choose one and kind of dive deeper into it ourselves. And I chose peers. So I, I dove deeper into peers and learned all about it. And I was so excited. Um, At that time, I was working with some kids as an SLPA who I was just thinking, wow, this is what they need. Um, And I didn't know anything about it before that. And in my research for that project, I found out that there is a, there was a group running at UBC 
at our university in the psychology department. That's with Dr. Nirmal. So I reached out to her because it was, the group was going to be starting like a month after the time I found out about it. And I knew from doing research that this program relies on some volunteers, like behavior coaches, who are part of the program leaders team. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I just did this project. I love this program. I'd love to see how it works. Like, do you have any space on your team for a volunteer? And long story short, I started working with them the next month. And so I got to see how it ran at UBC, how they ran it with um, two psychologists as the program leaders and a few um, psychology students as the other volunteers and me, I was kind of like the noob on the team. And um, it was so amazing. Not only were they such a wonderful team, but I really got to see how the program is run like with integrity. They just did everything exactly by the book, which is, it's not only recommended, that's how it's evidence-based, but it's totally doable. And I got to see how they were able to, you know, they really have those preteen meetings. They really have those intake interviews with the parents. It's not just things in a manual that get brushed over. Um, so. Yeah, that's how I got involved in peers at the beginning. And I loved it. And then as soon as I graduated and started as an SLP at Speech Meta, we, me and Fiona and Sandy, two of our other coworkers, um, we decided to go to LA to do the training, which was just like the best experience. So that was, that was like a, that was fall, summer, fall 2019. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing to see how they do it there at UCLA and yeah, so that's my how I got started in peers. Do you want me to just dive right into what it is? Yeah, yeah. And I also wanted to say just another fun fact, because you mentioned that we both had the same prof. We both went to the same yeah. grad school. We both yes. went to UBC. And then are you, so that's probably the evidence, uh, the evidence-based presentations everyone had to do? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I had to do, um, I did social thinking. Oh, nice. Yeah, but it was really interesting because that we had like everyone present on a topic and then learn about the evidence mm -hmm. behind it. And then it was kind yeah. of opening to see the different presentations on the different <laughs> programs that our people are doing and like where yeah. the evidence is. And later we'll talk more about the evidence, but I thought that was a really great project. It was. Honestly, I can't even remember what I did for my first part of it because I just remember like hearing about peers. And I was yeah. like, what? This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know that you volunteered with the peers program before so you've had like yeah yeah that's really cool yeah it's been a few years in with peer and like I I just learned so much from that group they were so generous with their uh, mentorship and um it was really really and it, that group has been running for quite a few years so they've really got a groove there um yeah. at, with that program it was great yeah and you mentioned a psychologist who we can leave her Instagram information yeah she yeah she's so wonderful Dr. Nirmal, she not only works with kids, with teens, with autism or autistic teens in uh, UBS, but she also sort of specializes, I don't know if that's the right word, but talking about autism in girls, mm -hmm. um, especially teenage girls. So she actually presented at our province's SLP conference last fall. I don't know if you attended that. I did not. Oh. Okay, this is why I was like, that name rings a bell. I listened yeah. to it. I listened to her talk. Yeah, isn't she wonderful? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's really knowledgeable in that area. Um, so that's that's who I worked with, with Pierce. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, so we can link to her Instagram. Okay, perfect. All right, so where were we? Yeah, so, okay, so Pierce, it's a program out of UCLA. 
in LA. And uh, it kind of, I, if I'm correct, it started with a younger child version, which is called Children's Friendship Training. I have the manual for that one too. I have, they don't, they don't do trainings in it anymore, but uh, that I'm aware of, but um, I found it really helpful to read that. And I use that in my practice with younger kids, but peers really is born from that. A lot of the research that informed children's friendship training, to be honest, it directly informs peers, like the the evidence is connected. So when, you know, when they're presenting on evidence for peers, they use a lot of the evidence for the children's friendship training groups, just because the format is so similar and the populations are similar, which I guess I should mention the target population for peers is for the peers program, it's youth. So teens, Um, with autism. They've also done research on teens with ADHD, teens with intellectual disability, teens with um, fetal alcohol syndrome. The research for those groups is is less, but um, it does exist. And it's a very adaptable program in, in some ways. Children's friendship training is for younger kids. Maybe I think the target is like five to eight or six to eight or nine. No, it's, it's up to older than that. I think 11. Yeah. And then peers is the teen version. Then they also have um, peers for young adults, which I have not been trained in. And they have other programs like peers for careers. And they have like smaller versions like peers for dating. Um, They have shorter programs too, like called boot camps where like they do a ton of stuff at UCLA. And I don't know if you've seen that Netflix show, Love on the Spectrum. Yeah, I, I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it yet. Elizabeth Logason, who's the co-founder, produ- I'm not sure how you say it, I was going to say producer, <laughs> no, the um, researcher behind Peers, she's in that show and she, she does Peers for young adults with all the participants in Australia, I believe. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty cool. So anyways, there's Peers for everybody. <laughs> And so, yeah, the target population for this um, group is really the teens, but because it's so like derived from children's friendship training, I've found, I'm sure I'm not the only one that it's, it can be very easily applicable to younger years, like not, not 13 and up, but like that um, slightly younger age, you know, depending how much you have to adjust it given their age, but um, it's really wonderful how it's it just flows from children's friendship training. So you can see, okay, where's my client at? Where's the student at? And adjust it accordingly. Peers is, uh, it used to be 14 weeks. Now it's 16 weeks. There is a parent group and a teen group that meet separately. They're both led by someone who should be certified in peers. And they meet separately and then join together at the end for what they call reunification. It's so structured in the best way. And it's very behaviorally um, focused. So I I love, I was just like kind of refreshing my mind. Um, At the beginning of the manual, it says here, I wanted to read it. It says, we ask experienced therapists to suspend judgment based upon their theoretical orientations and give these behavioral techniques a try, given the previous success of the program. So, you know, we're so used to, I think a lot of us are used to social thinking, which I'll talk about how they can work together. But this behavioral approach was new for me. And it's just, I can see how it works. And it's so wonderful. And I really, I love how it's just like, just give it a try. So there's, you know, there's a homework portion where we review homework and and the participants really learn that, okay, this homework is really expected of me, you know, it's not optional. 
and and then we go through the lessons and then they get new homework and we do practice of the, the technique that we just learned. We do behavioral rehearsal right there in person in the groups. And um, yeah, so that's sort of the structure of the of the session. And then meanwhile, the parents are going through, you know, okay, were there any barriers to completing your homework this week? If there were, how can we work through them? Um, you know, how did the practice go? Things like that. Oh man, there's just so much things are popping into my mind right now <laughs> to talk about. But um, yes, it's, I don't know if I answered that question, Jen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so generally, and I think more will come up too when we talk about like how I want to talk about how we can use it and then yeah. comparing it to social thinking. So, yeah. No, I think that's a great start. Okay, so 16-week program, there's a parent group. I didn't even, I'm taking the training for it in April, and I actually mm -hmm. wasn't aware that there's a parent group and a teen group. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. And the homework, we've like worked together with certain clients before, and you've talked to me about the homework, and I always thought that was like such a good idea. Can you talk a little bit about the homework? Because it's sure. not, like, what I've heard from you, it's like, it's not like, what you think of homework, it's like a sometimes mm -hmm. a social task more so totally. than, rather than like, yeah. can you talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and I think the homework, it really, in my head, it goes hand in hand with what they call buzzwords in the program or like keywords, key phrases that they use throughout the program to help with consistency and, um, you know, just to get these concepts like really solid. Um, so the homework is always social tasks uh, related to the skill that you've learned. So for example, um, lesson six is about entering a conversation, a group conversation. And so the homework that week, you know, we go over the skill and the steps and we learn the buzzwords, you know, like um, they talk about using a prop. So they say, you know, okay, when you're like standing from a distance and you're listening for the topic of a group conversation to figure out, okay, can I join this conversation? Do I have something to contribute? They talk about using a prop and it's so, um, it's something I never would have thought of, but it's one of those things that they realize doing their research and what they they use the term ecologically valid. So it's not what we think teens do, it's what they actually do. So, you know, they hold their water bottle and like play with it. Or like nowadays it's like you're on your phone so that you don't look like you're just standing there staring or like trying not to stare while you listen to what they're talking about. So, you know, the lesson outlines these rules or these steps at the end of the lesson, you say, okay, homework this week, one of a few <clears throat> is going to be, I want you to try, uh, I want you to join a conversation, a group conversation at school. Um, and you go through the steps again, you've gone through it in behavioral rehearsal, you know, they know what to do. And parents are also learning that so they can support them if needed. Then next week, the beginning, we you know who did this homework, okay, let's go through it. We start with you only talk to kids who did the homework. That's another thing is you really focus on those putting in the work. And with those who haven't, you don't want to focus on like, all the reasons why they couldn't do it. You know, it's, it's really focused on reinforcing positive behavior. Um, for those that didn't, weren't able to do it, we talk about what barriers did you face in doing your homework and let's, let's help work through them. But in the homework review, I'm going to say like, you know, okay, Shannon, did you join a conversation that, you know, your classmates are having? And you'd be like, oh, yep. Say, okay, so what did you do before you joined it? Oh, well, I stood a little ways away. And then um, I heard that they were talking about, you know, like exercising. So I, I jumped in and, and 
started talking. And so if there's any steps that are missed, I would say like, oh, did you wait for a pause? Or what did you use for a prop? Like we go through all of the steps. And um, it takes kids a couple of weeks usually to get used to the fact that, okay, I need to think about these steps and remember them because it's not just me saying, did you join a conversation? Yes, okay, great. You know, we go through the steps and also sometimes kids will say to me, yeah, I'm sure I did. And I'm like, oh no, like you need to be, like this is on purpose. I need a conversation that you joined thinking about your homework, not just like, oh, I'm sure I did. <laughs> but um, yeah, that really helps that they expect that review afterwards and going through the steps. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what the homework looks like broadly. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's nice to have that accountability because it'll just help them with generalizing all the things they're learning program to their real life. And it's nice yeah. to give older kids some more accountability in what in their learning just helps also mm-hmm. their motivation and everything. Yeah. And actually, can I just say one more thing about that is, uh, you know, the program is so robust. It really, it, it covers everything. And one thing I love is they do checkouts at the end. So we have teen session, parent session, we come together, talk about homework for next week. And then before everyone leaves, um, you know, a team leader or like a volunteer has to check in with every parent and teen pair and, and say, okay, you have a phone call assignment this week. Who are you going to call? Uh, what day are you going to call them? Um, do you have a plan for your get together? And so they, they go through, okay, let's get ahead of any barriers that we might face. And if that parent or that teen has expressed that something was difficult last week, um, that leader is going to work through it with them in that checkout time um, to try to preempt like any, you know, difficulties again next week. Um, so that part is really important. And I loved seeing that both when I volunteered at UBC and also being at the training at UCLA, you get to watch, like you get to sit in on a real peers session. So that was really helpful to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. Cause it's like, if you go through all those details, you're just setting them up for more success <laughs> than like, yeah, exactly. week week, they'll be more encouraged too. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So before we talk a little bit about how peers is different from social thinking, can we talk a little bit about like the evidence behind peers and how it's an evidence-based program? Yes, we can do that. In 2009 was the first randomized control trial for peers itself. So they've already had tons of um, groups go through children's friendship training at this point. And um, so throughout the years since then, I'm not sure of like really, really recent groups, but you know, in the manual, it talks about some of the earlier studies. They have um, groups between like 20 to 35 participants usually. And what they have in peers is outcome measures that they use that they're the same measures that they've used in the research trials. Although I believe in the research trials, they, they also use additional measures. Okay, but um, when you're running the program, you use these um, outcome measures. We, we did it and you do it before and after. And then, you know, if you, if you want to, you can do it at three, six and one year post, uh, post program. <laughs> I was going to say postpartum. <laughs> okay. Sorry, you can cut that out. <laughs> no, no, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So some of the best parts of the in-person training was for me the first day, like, three quarters of the day is about the research. And they really look at things that I don't feel like I learned about. Um, It's things that you know are important, but you don't realize, oh, these things have been studied. So, you know, they looked at um, the impacts of having close friends. And they talk about how having one or two close friends through your teenage years 
it really has huge impacts on your ability to deal with life changes, difficult things in life, and later adjustment um, into your into your adult years. So the, um, the outcome measures, they look at things like knowledge of social skills. So that is really, um, did they learn the things that you teach in the program? Okay, so they test those things before and after. And I remember in the presentation at school, they were like, oh, that's sort of so biased. Like they, it's just testing what you taught in the program. But I'm like, well, that's what you want them to learn. <laughs> it tests their knowledge of these social skills and, and social strategies. And then it also looks at symptoms of ASD as judged by their parents. Like, how often do you see this happening? How often do you see this happening? And those reduce after the program. That's a very general statement. But they, I just, just to say that they do look at basically the things that qualify this child for an ASD diagnosis. Do they stay the same? Do they increase or decrease? And they find that certain areas decreased, um, especially that social communication portion, right? That's what we're looking at. And then the last part that I'm thinking of for outcome measures and research is their actual instances of having friends, having those get-togethers. That That's really the the piece that we're looking for. This program is how to make and keep friends, okay? So at the end of the program, do they have more get-togethers? Do they report having better friendships? And um, that was something that th- that they did find um, in in the in most of these studies. And some of them, they are the same three months later, but those other outcome measures, such as their knowledge of social skills, and part of what they look at that they ask parents to report on is, for example, you know, do you see anxiety in your child in social situations or do you see them able to initiate conversations? And so those are the sorts of things that they want to see um, having changes after the program, Um, obviously in the direction of being more socially competent. You know, it's been a while since I did that project on actually presenting it in grad school, but the whole you know, that first day in the training, you're, and you're going to see this, Shannon, like, I feel like it makes you so inspired and passionate about the program because you see how, how effective it is and how, like, the strength of the evidence. So, you know, at first when I see the program agenda, I'm like, oh, man, like, one day out of three is on research. And I'm like, ah, but it, they do that so that you really believe in it. And um, yeah, I just feel so confident in using the program because of, of, the research that that backs it. So um, that's my vague answer about research. <laughs> you. I, you're making me like really excited. <laughs> to take yeah, and it, it helps you to feel confident in like getting parents to be on board. You're like, no, I know this works because of XYZ. Like, again, I'm sorry, I don't have better numbers for you. But it's no, I think that's great. And like, um, yeah, that's good. Because no one wants to like hear about <laughs> I'm happy to hear it's like an evidence-based program it's very yes yes that's the key that is the key all right you guys so Paulina and I continued to talk for about another 20 to 25 minutes so we decided to cut it off here and I'm going to continue on next week with a part two where we are going to dive into how it compares to social thinking and how we can apply it to our practice in various settings so stay tuned for that and please as always rate and review the podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Have a great week.